Okay. This is how we do. This is just how we do it now. This is the Million Ex-Girlfriends podcast. This is how we do it now. It's episode 19, and I'm having an existential crisis. I am so... Oh, oh, I almost forgot something. Ooh, almost forgot. Wait, there we go. Boom, baby. All right. Anyway... This is the kickback episode. We're just gonna we're just gonna kick back. And we're just gonna chill, because, man, life life is tough. Life is, I you know sometimes I try to structure these things and I try to come up with like segments and things to do because that's what all podcasts do. And uh, I just didn't have it in me this this time around. I didn't have it, so I just decided you know what, I'm just gonna kick back in my bed and I'm just gonna this is gonna be like one part podcast one part like a video audio journal thing I'm just gonna fucking I don't know talk about some shit you know okay here's the thing that was happening here's the thing that was happening recently I um I fucking look I was on I was scrolling around on YouTube I was fucking around the Something something came up like uh, Jeff Winnick, one of David Dobrik's friends. He, uh, I, don't, I don't know, for some reason, like a compilation of his stuff came up, and uh, my YouTube. So I watched that. That was pretty funny. I enjoyed that. Here's a thing that actually happened recently on Twitter. I want to give a big shout out to the Delphin Pod Network. They run podcasts such as, oh fuck. What is that podcast? Countdown to Infinity, Countdown to Skywalker, they're doing right now. Uh, God damn, this is a nightmare. But yeah, they fucking... I tweeted at them like three times concerning an episode they had just done about Countdown to Skywalker. They asked, you know, what's your favorite scene? So I tweeted at them three times, and I just capped it at three because I didn't want to tweet them all day. But they read all three tweets on the fucking on their podcast and I thought that was cool so I want to give a big shout out to Emmanuel especially because you know I say a bunch of stupid dumbass shit all over the internet all the all the fucking time I love talking stupid it's my favorite thing to do and uh yeah so that's cool I'm gonna I, I like that podcast. I'm going to keep listening to that. They just did an episode about Rogue One, which I haven't watched in a moment. So I'll watch that before I, uh, <coughs> before I get, watch that before I get back into that podcast. Something I did want to do, actually, was check out, check out a true crime story or two. So while I'm waiting for my tablet to load, I am going to talk about new album by what's her name her name is Quinn she's a singer R&B lady I think she's she either is or was dating black uh they got a couple songs together but yeah I really like her uh sort of spacey like dream pop vibe she has going on I don't remember what the name of the song was on the last album but her last album was called dream girl and there was a song on there that was just like had like this deep like 808 bass and like a moderately slow like trap rhythm going on. She has a similar song on her new album called Fave, 
featuring black. And yeah, it's a moderately slow, bassy, like spacey, ethereal, like trap pop banger. I definitely recommend checking that out. It's it's a new album uh, or EP or whatever. On Spotify, it's classified as a single, but it's a 35-minute long project with like seven or eight songs. So it's it's an album, and I, I really like that. It's called Lucid. Let's see some true crime stories. Here we go. 11 disturbing true crime stories you can read tonight. Alright. Let's find a nice beefy story. Let's go with The Girl Scout Murders. Alright. I've never read this before. I don't know anything about this. This is a true crime story. I'm fascinated by true crime as a genre. I don't know why it exists. It's not anything I'm particularly interested in. But uh, I figured maybe I'll look into it on the podcast and, and we'll, we'll see what's up with this. Okay. So this is from a website called The Lineup. Six creepy crimes you can read before bedtime or whatever. Uh, this is number five. The Girl Scout Murders. In the summer of 1977, three young Girl Scouts staying at an Oklahoma campsite were raped and murdered. The girls... Lori, Michelle, and Doris were between the ages of 8 and 10. About two months before the murders, a camp counselor found a disturbing note in her belongings. The culprit promised to murder three children at the camp. Knowing that young campers enjoy telling scary stories around the campfire, the camp counselor dismissed the threatening note as nothing more than a prank, a decision she would come to regret. Dun, dun, dun. Early in the morning of June 13th, the girls' bodies were found in their sleeping bags out on the trail leading to the camp showers. The only evidence that their killer left behind was a red flashlight and a bloody footprint. The prime suspect in the Oklahoma Girl Scout murders was Jean Leroy Hart, an escaped convict. Hart had been raised about a mile from Camp Scott. At the time of the murders, he was at large after escaping from prison, where he had been serving time for burglary, kidnapping, and rape. A local jury acquitted Hart of the crime, citing a lack of evidence. However, Oklahoma case Fuck, I fucked up. However, Oklahoma police consider the case solved. To this day, no one knows if Gene Leroy Hart got away with murder, or if the true killer was someone else entirely. Either way, the girl's killer never saw justice. Well, hot damn! Whoa, that's some true crime! I gotta start... What's the crime podcast? I gotta listen to something now. I can't believe people listen to this shit, man. Like, what the fuck? Like... All right, all right, so you're telling me, you're telling me that mother, I, don't get me wrong, I love horror movies, I love the fuck, I love me the fuck out of some horror movies, but you're gonna tell me motherfuckers actually like to scare themselves with this shit, like, who does this stuff? I know the answer, but I can't say it because I'm a guy, a guy, I can't say it because I'm a guy, but uh, there is a certain d division of the human race that loves scaring themselves as if they aren't already kind of like uh uh i don't want to say i don't want to say weak but but vulnerable as if they aren't already vulnerable enough just for being just for being born the way they are and then they go and scare themselves even more for some reason now i'm going to say something do, black people don't do that shit 
There's so much racism and hatred against black people still, and you do not find black people watching movies about, like, unless it's a Jordan Peele movie, you're not going to see black people watching movies about black people getting killed to scare themselves. It's not a thing. So, so now I ask you this. Who the fuck do you think I'm talking about? Who likes these true crime shits? Because it ain't men. <laughs> but I do find it interesting. I do find it very interesting. It's just, it's not a thing that like, unless it's well told or well written or whatever, it just doesn't, it doesn't grab my attention. There's nothing there for me. There's nothing I can do with it. Again, I, I love a good horror movie. I love, like, you know, terrors of the human mind. I love a psychological horror movie. I love a... I love a... Uh, uh, um, a decent enough ghost movie like The Conjuring. The Conjuring's really good. I've never seen the second one. I, I love a good splatter, you know, blood bag horror movie. I love, a, I love you know, horror video games like Silent Hill 2, Resident Evil 4. I just don't know why true crime is a popular thing but that's neither here nor there and like i said i'm a i'm a guy so i i suspect i know who likes it so it's 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 obviously not for me that being said i could get down on some soap operas though like i used to watch soap operas when i was a kid i fucking love that shit i used to watch days of our lives for like the longest time um you know, like, in the summers, like, when you're a kid, you just have nothing to do and you have no friends. It's like, you just sit around and watch TV. And if you only have three channels, like we did growing up, uh, you, you just watched whatever was on TV. And when the kids' shows were done on PBS in the morning, you usually had, like, you know, when the kids' shows were done on the channels, that's how it used to be. There were kids' shows on, like, certain channels in the morning. There was PBS rants all a certain time. And sometimes in the middle of the day, I would watch, like, Days of Our Lives or As the World Turns because... I found them I found the storytelling to be fascinating. I found them to be entertaining for one reason or another. I didn't realize that the storylines just go on and on and on like <laughs> to the point where they sort of fizzle out and become new storylines before you even realize it. But I it kept my attention and I kept watching. I do love a good soap opera. I do love uh, the operatic, the soap operatic style of storytelling. I really do appreciate that. I um, it's one reason why I'm in like why it's one reason why I'll watch a couple of episodes of Gossip Girl here and there because you can pretty much just jump in anywhere at any point during the series and it, it doesn't matter what happened before. It really doesn't. Like there'll be a couple of things you'll be lost on, but you'll you'll sort of figure out who everybody is real quick. But that being said, Gossip Girl is missing something that makes a soap opera... It's missing something that makes it a true soap opera, and that's why I have a hard time watching it. Also, all the kids are played by characters that are way too old to be acting like they're as young as they are. They're too old to be acting so young. And the adults are all completely ineffective dipshits like they they can barely even get the 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 washing machine started without like ruining their own relationship or something 
<laughs> but I, I do appreciate it, and I will watch it here and there. And um, I gotta say, the twist that Dan was Gossip Girl is actually genius. It's actually really clever. Because what's the first thing we see in Gossip Girl? We see Serena arriving at the train station. And we see Dan walking by her. And the first thing we hear Gossip Girl say is, Spotted, Serena Vanderwoodson, I think her name is, Serena at this train station in such and such place. And it's... <laughs> It makes sense, because he was there, of course. Of course he's Gossip Girl. They literally gave it to us from the beginning. The writers always, the writers and producers always like to play around like, oh, we had different ideas on who Gossip Girl should be, but I think they had it figured out from the start. There was no way they didn't. So what's happening in TV? BoJack Horseman's sixth season just came out, the first part of the sixth season. I actually really liked that. It was a lot more mellow and downbeat, I felt, compared to the emotional wrenching that was seasons uh, four and five. However, it, it was emotionally satisfying because everything was pretty much going the way we wanted for these characters. There were still some like struggles here and there, you know, closing out the things that had happened in the previous season. But all in all, each character has sort of made an upward, you know, after being all over the place as far as character development is concerned, each character made a steady rise in this season. A steady rise that is set up to either plateau for the end of the series or drop off suddenly. And if you know Bojack's storyline, then you know exactly what I mean. God damn, I need a tissue. Where are his, Where is these motherfuckers? Yeah, so Bojack's storyline is uh has been dense and emotionally satisfying considering the loss of his mother, considering everything that happened with Hollyhock, considering his relationships with women. It's it's all... Considering his relationship with himself, actually. I feel like this season ended up in a good spot, and I'm excited to see where the next couple of episodes go. And... Victorious was recently put on Netflix. Now, I never actually watched Victorious when it was on. It was always on in the background of my life because I have younger sisters. But since they put it on Netflix, I decided to watch it with my youngest sister. And, uh, man, I've actually been enjoying the shit out of it. There's a lot of questionable decisions, considering that it was all, like, you know, 40 to 50-year-old adults producing this thing. And it was a bunch of kids in the scenarios and kids doing the things that they have them doing. A lot of, a lot of questionable decisions, adult-type jokes. I don't have a problem with, like, adult-type sex jokes in kids shows i love that shit going back to when i was a kid even when i i was like i'd be like Ooh, i know a sex joke when i hear one <laughs> but uh sometimes they do they considering this is dan schneider this is this is appropriate sometimes they do toe the line of what is in good taste 
Actually, I feel like there isn't as much feet stuff in Victorious as there was in previous Dan Schneider shows. That being said, there is still way too much. Why is Trina always wearing heels? I'm pretty sure Daniela Monet is the same age as me, so I can I can say this, but like she's hot as hell and they always have her walking around in heels. And they always have her like looking and acting like a goofy piece of shit. Even though she's like hot as hell. It, it just doesn't make sense. But it is kind of funny, I guess, to see a, a to see a woman get beat up on by life. You know, somebody who thinks they're just so incredibly talented. And somebody who's just entitled to things in life. It's it's funny to see them get beat up on, so that's that's funny. And also Victoria is just a Tori is not a great character. I've been thinking this the whole time I've been watching this. I know other people have said this already, but Victoria Justice is a decent enough actor, whatever. But the problem with Tori as a character is that sometimes sometimes in TV shows main characters gotta be enough of a blank slate so that the audience can project themselves onto the character. So I don't have a problem with that, but the problem is Tori is excessively blank and boring. And as a person, it seems like there's nothing going on behind the eyes. She she swings wildly from caring about her friends to only doing what like she cares about. Like like one episode where Jade like has been planning this senior project forever. And she gets mad at Tori for wanting to hold an event on the same night. And then Tori's like, Oh, well, uh, uh. It's like, yo, seriously, you bitch? Like, Jade, Jade is a way better friend to you than you deserve. Honestly, they're all better to her than she deserves. I don't, I don't know... I don't know how they made such a big oversight in making their main character just... The most unlikable person but they did they managed to look right past that shit so I'm gonna talk about a, I already talked about a little bit of music earlier but I want to talk about uh, this before I uh, get out of here I've been listening to an album by a band called well an artist a band called Car Seat Headrest recently um Teens of Denial, very great album. The guy always sounds like he's in the middle of like a mid to late twenties emotional breakdown. Mm. I, I feel that. I've been listening to Joji's Ballads One album. I really like the song Test Drive. I really like the song Why Am I Still in L.A. And I really like the song Slow Dancing in the Dark. That song is so great. And I have a playlist on Spotify called it's just it's just a compilation of all of MIA's studio stuff. Um She has a new album coming out soon, I don't know when, but I am currently in the process of making a video about MIA and I'm trying to get that out before the album comes out, so we'll see how that goes. No promises. Got a minute twenty-five. Okay. Recently, the last thing I want to talk about is recently I went to Spock of Summer's uh, Sp uh, No Robot show in Providence at the Fet Ballroom. It was tremendous fun. I had some of the most fun I've ever had in my life. I got... Where is it? Shit. 
Shit, I don't know where it is. <laughs> oh well. I got a new t-shirt. I always like getting new shirts from uh, from my homies from Spocka and the others. That was a lot of fun. I saw Bocek there. I saw Bocek play at one of their first shows in 2017 at a place in Newport. So it was cool seeing them again. Cool seeing them uh, that they've grown up. They're starting, you know, starting to look like people and shit. So that was cool. Spocka, I just want to say thank you for thank you for the invitation. And everything it was awesome. That being said, this has been the Million Ex Girlfriends podcast. Uh, thanks for you know. You know, if I said, I think I called you all losers at the beginning. I call my fans the losers, ironically, if you are a fan or a follower or whatever. Because, uh, fuck it, man. Like, we all suck. We're all struggling. We all got it hard. We're all, we're all going through emotional breakdowns, and it's fine. We'll be good. Peace.